The podcast of this local government meeting is brought to you by Michigan Radio. For more coverage of local government meetings and to find out how you can support this service, go to michiganradio.org. I'm calling to order the City Council study session um, today, Monday, September 26th. Um, and we go right into our discussion. Who is introducing the uh, ethics ordinance? Um, I can bring it up. Thank you. All right. Um, microphone here hmm? putting on my microphone so everybody can hear me okay um we do have our ethics ordinance uh, before council tonight um there is a discussion to be had on the revised ethics ordinance that was um, um talked about previously um and additionally um council member Kinez submitted um another uh, ethics ordinance sample, um, which was emailed out to everybody, and uh, Council Member Miller also uh, submitted um, comments later this afternoon uh, that was sent to everybody on Council. Um, so uh, there are um, things that were made, uh, changes that were made to the um, uh, draft ethics uh, that had been discussed previously. Um, and those are outlined in red on your, um, or in your packet on the draft. And uh, I'll open it to council for further discussion. Okay. Thank you very much, council. Any discussion? You said the red was discussed previously? These are things that were um, suggested uh, at previous meetings. Mm -hmm. um, things that were uh, written down and I took and in, put into the ethics ordinance uh, after those discussions. I don't remember having this question before. After 4.5 and some of the other ones. What's that? I don't remember having a conversation about some of these items that are in bed. <clears throat> I don't either. We definitely did not discuss 4.5G. And I don't remember 4H. So were these were these put in after? I know you had solicited feedback at one point uh, right. on on August before the August or after the, after the August eighth meeting, and then again yes. after the August fifteenth meeting. Yes. I don't really actually remember having a discussion with all of you present on this ordinance. And it looks like we still have one missing to discuss it. Well, right, it was tabled last time because Kelly was missing. 
So do we table it since Jalen is missing? I think it's good to discuss it. I, I think I would encourage you all to continue this discussion um, so that this can move forward. Okay, can I start? that you have or suggestions that you have um, <clears throat> to discuss those now. Okay, I'm ready to discuss my portion. Um, I think this has just become a witch hunt. We've run amok on a basic ordinance by injecting all kinds of specific It's ridiculous. We have, we're being compelled to go to meetings now. If we are under criminal investigation, we have to withdraw from council. Where, where did all this come up? I mean, how, does, how did we go from this, an ordinance to all this other stuff? So where are we being compelled to go to meetings? Uh, six months into being elected, you need to go to a meeting. Can you um, give us a page number that you're speaking to? Well, it's highlighted in red. It's one of those red introductions. Gotcha, but can we have a page number so we can all be on the same page, including the residents? Is it, yeah, no. can you give us some more detail where it's at? Okay, so follow. one says any council member or city official under criminal investigation. Can that's you give us the, I'm sorry. Four, four point G. Thank you. Page seven. Thank you. Page seven. Why is that in there? And who injected that? I personally think that if anyone is under a criminal investigation, especially if it's a felony, that they should not be serving on the council. And if I'm not mistaken, it's also a state law at this point that was injected after, oh God, that was 2015 or Who injected 16. it in this ordinance? Right. I'm just giving you the background of why and now who interjected. These are all suggestions, so they're not really interjected. Well, anyway, in oh, oh, I think so, we've gone way beyond a simple ethics ordinance. We've I think that operating that if someone is under investigation or someone that has a criminal background with a felony, they should not serve. That is well, they shouldn't well, have been elected. Different than being under investigation because everyone is presumed innocent until proven guilty. That should be brought it's, up it's, at an election. File a complaint um, that doesn't prove anything. So yeah, it's it's uh, it, well, it's not a complaint. It's under investigation, and it's it's I mean, it's standard practice in law enforcement and and you well, know when, uh, when your family member is involved or another family member of another city council member is involved in it. Too, I don't understand what you that? mean by that. Yeah. You don't understand what I mean by that. Yeah, I'm just trying to. What does that have to do yeah. with being a, a council member being investigated for felony, though? Well, what the why there is an investigation and who's and so right now the only thing that we're talking about is what Barb brought up, <laughs> she, which is any council member or city official under criminal investigation shall be placed on leave until investigation is completed or dismissed. Not anyone else, but just council member or city official. So that's, I'm just reading what it says. I'm not trying to go back and forth, you know, with, I'm just reading. So I'm just trying to figure out what did that have to do with Bruce's wife? That's all. Yeah, this is. I, I believe this was added in because of a specific situation. I don't think it just came in the blue. So that's okay, but again, what I'm asking is, 
this ha let's talk about what we see in front of us and what's facts. What does this have to do with a council member or a city official under criminal it has investigation? has to do with someone filing a complaint doesn't prove anything. Okay. So if you want to say someone's convicted, but I believe that was already in our previous ethics ordinance. Well, that's in the charter. Okay. Okay, so if all of this is in our charter, why are we updating this? You can go ahead. So I'm just going to say from a legal standpoint, though, um, it may, doing, having this apply to someone that is under investigation could pose some murky areas, I, I do have to say. Like, for instance, say someone had a drunk driving. That could be also under what what you're saying. That could also apply. Okay. And I don't know if that's something, you know, that would be appropriate and offenses of that level and things of that nature. Um, whereas, you know, the conviction is more of a, and just saying investigation is rather open-ended, you know, and okay. what are we really getting to here? Gotcha. You know, what is the real benefit of that at that point? I think there's other ways that it could be handled, you know, and the public is made aware that this is an ongoing issue. I don't necessarily think that's to the benefit maybe to have that from the yeah. I agree. Okay. What else do you got? Anyone? Hey, Jalen. We're letting Jalen set up first. Nope, we're going to keep going. Okay, council shall make every effort to ask staff clarifying questions regarding items in a meeting packet prior to public meetings. Okay, so we're getting our packets on Friday night. When do we have a chance to talk to staff to clarify issues in a packet before a meeting, if we're working all day Monday? I'd like that removed. What page is that? Can you please- Six, six H. It says page six. Six. In the, in the box. And the number says H. It's a blue H and it's in red. So I just have a, I'm reading it from the computer. So I'm going to ask, is it in the box H or I mean, thank you. I heard of it. I, yeah, I don't know how to tell you. Okay. So. So that's something that, um, whether we look at this from the perspective of when you receive the packet, um, I believe that there's ample time for you to ask questions. Um, otherwise, we'll have to start getting information a week prior to um, when the council meeting is and posting it at that time and not put anything additional in it. Because there are questions that are raised here that take up considerable time that could be asked directly of staff prior to the meetings. And it also gives us a chance to be able to um, answer those questions um, if you ask them in advance of the meeting. When you hit us up at the meeting, we may not have the answers in front of us to be able to give to you. Um, and most of those questions are things that have to do with uh, the disbursement report or minutes. You know, if you see a typo that's in there, it's really easy to just, you know, send me an email or pick up the phone and say, hey, I noticed a misspelling or 
uh, this word isn't capitalized or whatever that may be uh, in the minutes, rather than bringing those up during comments. So it's just something that I'm trying to ask of staff or of council members to ask staff those clarifying questions. Um, and, and you're welcome to ask it at the meeting as well, but it gives us the chance to be prepared on some of those uh, that you do ask. Okay, agree. Okay, given given our packets in timely manners, that does give us two full days to ask questions. So I would agree wholeheartedly. But when the packets are delivered Friday night at eight and nine o'clock, that really doesn't give us much of an opportunity to reach out to staff other than Monday. And we're all in a crunch. I don't know about the rest of you, but that today's my busiest day. I think the language best efforts would um, address that. And, and, and shall. And that's yeah. obvious. And it's obvious that we're going to be doing that anyway. We're not trying to come here and make these meetings go on and on and on. I don't find that that's the issue or the case for me, at least. Well, that's the other thing. Yes, residents, once they see the packet, they have questions. And has it been a practice that questions are answered in a timely manner? Well, I think that's more of a, a, a different issue than what we're addressing here as far as after the questions. Now, if they're not answered as your, um, you know, to what you think it should be, then that's a separate issue. But I don't think I'm fact that they should be asked um, in a timely manner if possible. But how does this qualify as ethical? How does this fit into an ethics ordinance? Having to ask questions prior to a meeting? Just guidance. Um, well, that's guidance, but yeah. not ethics. Behavior. Well, I, I agree with that. That could actually be mm -hmm. moved down to your policies and procedures. Um, which is you know, at the bottom of the ethics ordinance, if that's what you would prefer as council. I, I don't mind doing that. Um, I would just hope that as council, um, you'd make every effort to at least contact me over the weekend. You know, you guys are able to get a hold of me uh, most generally. So I'm, I'm happy to answer questions and uh, work with you on that. It's just difficult at a meeting to try to answer those questions on the spot if staff is prepared for that. I think we should add as long as the packet was received by Thursday evening as it is supposed to be according to the charter, then that could be could be in effect. I think the city attorney said something to that effect already. She did say yeah, I think possible. it's covered yeah. by the same yeah. as well, it, it is covered, but possible. it isn't it isn't followed. So if it isn't followed, no, but we're just then... we're just talking about what your correction was, not what's going on. It was where um Leanne already said that Leanne Leanne already this word, okay. Leanne had already said that we're gonna put as if possible in there. So That's that is something possible. Is it, so, I want to make sure that the charter is followed because that has not happened. So if so possible if added be to the, in to the rules, we're adding it to the rules and that should be added. When possible. To the rules. No, when when we have our projects by Thursday meeting. What's next? Um, can I add that it would 
part of the ordinance that no sitting council member, family, or family member should be attending any meeting where the sole purpose is to devise a plan to remove a fellow council member. Oh, that's going to be a little. Not. That's going to be a little touchy because all of our spouses are residents also of Lathrop, and I want to make sure that that is something that's for all spouses. But am I the only one that finds that unethical? I find it very, I find it interesting also, but the fact is when you're doing rules, you got to remember that those rules go for everybody, not just for certain people. I think it should go for everybody. I don't think realistically yeah. you can determine what someone's sole purpose for attending a meeting is. Right. I mean, no, I didn't say the sole, pur the sole purpose of the meeting. That was the sole purpose of the meeting was to remove a fellow council member. I didn't well, say and, and they don't lose their constitutional rights you, to you can't participate in government. Of the public from okay, meeting. good to know. Yeah. Good to know. Yeah. Maybe there'll be other such meetings in the neighborhood. Good. I think that's more, more activity, the better. People should be involved. A public meeting, now speaking of. Yes. I didn't know it was a public meeting. I no, wasn't no. invited. No, it was a And making sure that it's not just something that is happening um, on the spur of the moment. This is going to be something that's going to continue um, when we're off of council. So being angry or being um, in a certain feeling emotional right now, this is not just for now. This is for later too. So it's not emotional. It's truly how I feel. It's unethical. But that's my opinion. But There's four others who can decide. Also, was that a meeting that was talking about um, how we're going to hire our city attorney that was done downstairs in a public place? How we were hiring our city attorney? Yeah. We have a city attorney. No, before we were hiring. Was that at the what? for him to This little, this one, this video that was done that I got that has your husband on it discussing how we're going to hire our city manager. City you, manager, you just you said city attorney. Your city, well, I could be mistaken, but city. the point is, well, we were all manager, discussing how we're but getting that's the same manager. thing with being at someone else's house. So, the fact is, is that we shouldn't be trying to point out one person's flaw when other things have been. I'm not saying too. it's a flaw, but I'm you're just saying, saying it's unethical. So, is it well, unethical it is. that Tom was at a meeting that was talking about me? We didn't hire a city manager, and we were all talking about, about rooms also. Talking about you and Bruce doing what? Oh, lots of stuff. Did he talk do. about removing you from council? Um, no. Talk okay, about there we go. Athlete. But the point is, is, but the point is, is that, you know, let's, let's make sure we stay on task. Let's make sure that we stay on task before pointing a finger to someone else, that there's other things that's done the same exact way. Just want you to know. Because we're not talking about financial. And why do you have things? copies? Of and why do you have because copies I, of it? Because I foiled it. I keep telling you why all you that. Keep I, I can't get anything. I've been waiting for. That's six your problem. If I'm not getting your you stuff, I got mine. Well, so I paid my fifty dollars. But let's get back. You're right. Let's get back. What's your next issue? Okay. I just think we should start from scratch. There's a lot of. How long have we been going with our original ordinance since 1953? Karen and I and. Jalen get elected and all of a sudden that's good, not good enough? No, I think we should, I think the reason why we did this is that we needed to put some um, 
have some structure in it because we have gone haywire um, since this particular seat. I mean, let's be honest, right? okay? Uh -huh. And I'm being honest in that, and that's, you know, not pointing a finger to anyone. So now it's just about having some structure and some protocols and policies in place, and that's why we're revisiting. And if you're saying that we're going to follow something from 1953, which I was not born yet, that's kind of, you know, we do need was to I. Up, we need to have it updated. I'm so just that's saying why we did perfectly fine with it since 1953. But things have changed. I mean, civil rights happened after 1953. Sure. So then why didn't we update it after civil rights? Because we're doing it now. So just keep in mind that this does not apply to this year. does not apply to I agree. I agree. I totally agree. Intended to be against one person, it applies to you all. I agree. And, so and, to, and to boards and, and to future council and the future council. So if we can keep moving through, what other um, um, changes or edits would you like to have added to it, opposed to or to discuss any of them that are already in the in the plan and rest? Okay, go to number one, intent and purpose, page two. Number E, making an official decision outside of proper channels. Okay. What? Tell me what, what's that about? Meaning as a... Yeah, I don't, I put a question mark. I'm not sure. So is this in the... Oh. Intent and purpose. Right, it's to, to keep saying that that is not, not an ethical... Uh, action as elected and non-elected and and everyone that is a city employee or acting on behalf of the city there's a set procedure for how things need to be need to go right so acting outside of those parameters would be a violation an ethical violation as well as potentially some other well how can you make it an official decision outside of if you, for instance, yeah, give you me for instance, the council act as a council. So your decisions are a council decision. Right. You cannot tell a resident or go to a, a consultant or go to a you know a, a contractor or someone and make a decision. It, portraying yourself to be the decision maker for the city. So to do that, if you were to do that, that would be a violation because you're making decision outside of the parameters so of what. Does that go to Susan's point? She sent an email today saying we are not to go to outside of, we have to go through her channel to have discussions or ask questions from Correct. contractors. Okay. Correct. So, so that is something that is in the charter that's, that gives you that, that framework for how you are to we're still residents we're still residents and this is taking rights away as a resident but you're city council members not for this taking yes first and foremost you are a city council person you're a part of the elected body and that requires you to act differently than a resident would. Like it if you're a resident? You go through channels Correct. that are stated in the yeah. charter. I wasn't doing anything uh, as as a city council person. I was doing it my personal property as a resident. That was my... But as a city council yeah. person, you're held to a higher standard. Oh, oh okay. okay. I think that's why um, some outside training would be beneficial as well, because that will explain that it's not just Lathrop Village. It's any... Officials, any elected member, 
and various councils throughout you know cities and and townships and villages throughout the state and statewide it's the same idea that it's once you are an elected official you do have different rights and responsibilities as that official versus just being a citizen you aren't just a citizen anymore when you have a problem on your own property i believe that we still are residents well of course you are that but it does that doesn't mean that you still have your role as the official that you must go through to you know again this is talking about a consultant now a resident is not going to call up a consultant and what's the resident going to do they're going to call the I city administration called, i would have called i would have so, sent an email to the person they sent an email to as a resident absolutely okay well that the fact that you did that but you're not to that consultant you are not just a resident, you are also, so so you have a dual role mm -hmm. and it's not to take rights away from you. It's just to understand that you have a, a bigger responsibility and you should be willing as the elected official to not relinquish any of your rights, but to, to recognize that you have this additional responsibility to follow the, the rules of your office. I understand that's one of the reasons that I ran for city council because I didn't believe that was happening. And so it's so very interesting that all of these things are coming up when the charter was not followed, when uh, there were when city council members had special privileges and all kinds of things. So um, again, it's quite ironic. Well, I think that if that's the case, this this would be addressing that. So just because it wasn't followed before and now you're on council, I don't think that's necessarily a good reason to say, well, you never did it before, so we're not going to do it now. Well, a lot of these things are behavior, not ethics. Um, and I'm not I'm uh, not understanding why we're creating an ordinance that groups city officials, appointed city volunteers, and paid employees all in one thing. We are totally different. Elected officials are chosen by residents. Uh, those are the ones that we are supposed to be serving. Uh, appointed city volunteers, in this case, are normally selected by the mayor. And employees are at will and paid. And for, from what I've seen, don't always get due process as required by the charter and the personnel manual. So I don't see that um, these three groups have much in common that we would be governed under, you know, all of these specific, uh, specific rules. All those groups that you've named all have a function within the city. So they, this is meant to kind of guide and set guidelines for, for behavior, which does involve ethics, does involve behavior. And yes, maybe a, an employee is different than you, but the employee has their set of guidelines in their job for the city that they need to follow. Just like you have different guidelines as a council member in your job as council member that you must follow. But the ethics ordinance is just saying that everyone that has a role in representing the city whether it be as an elected official, an employee, or a volunteer, an appointed person, if they're acting in that, they need to follow the specific rules that apply to them while representing the city, while being part of the city. So they're not acting on their own as, as an individual, they're acting on behalf of the city. 
So that's why everyone can be lumped together. But yes, there are specifics for each group that they have to follow and be aware of. But this is just setting the, the basic framework for all those that represent and act on behalf of the city okay, in whatever so, capacity. And can we go back to E then? So making a decision outside of proper channels. So would a proper channel include a committee? Uh, I can't, we can't really, I mean, get into every specific that is well, I'm just, come up, but it's just saying. I mean, if I'm I a mean, liaison for a committee. 20 pages. Of exactly. Things. That's what I'm saying. Why are we getting so specific? We, we sort of we're should not, know how being, to act. We're being general saying okay. you as a committee member must act properly. Correct. So now the person that's on the committee, we would hope, and it depends on what their committee is. It depends on what they've been, you know, what their role is. Then they will know in that role how they're supposed to act. But we can't put that in the ethics ordinance specifically, every specific thing that could come up. Like if that's what you're asking. Right, because we do have you. we do have like separate committees and study groups and all right. kinds of other stuff where decisions are made. And I'm just saying, where does where's the fine line, the proper channel for that? Well, they will know if they're on a committee, a recommending committee, then they're, they're there to make a recommendation to council. There, there is no committee out there that can make a decision and act upon that decision without council's mm -hmm. approval. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's where we get back to that. So that, Nobody right, but, really is doing that if that's all allowable. But what she's saying is that if a committee um, answering that in, in the specifics in which you presented it, if a committee made a decision to go out and spend money and did not come to council and hired a contractor and authorized them to do that work, they are working outside of what those proper channels should be. And this ethics ordinance, without naming individual committees or groups or commissions, says that you cannot make an official decision outside of proper channels. And so it, it covers everybody. And all the proper channels are, are designated in our ordinances and our charter and the state laws. Mm -hmm. So for the committees. Yes, they yes, are. Yes, they are. For the study groups? Absolutely. Can you be specific if they're not? What I don't know. I asked that about are... six months ago and we haven't received it, so I don't know what the rules are. The rules are listed in the charter and in the ordinance. We didn't have committees when the charter was written. The committees are something fairly new. Okay, can I go to not page number 5H? Why? What, how is council rules of order and procedure different than city council governing? The council rules and orders of procedure are a separate document that's that's approved by a majority of council. That that's a, a live, that's the living, breathing piece of, uh, of uh, basically the council rules and orders. It's the document that you referenced. Right. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, it's just, it's just going right to that. Yeah, I actually had a, a suggestion there too, that just so to eliminate that confusion to say council rules of order and procedure documents. Oh, all right. Oh, did you want the word document added yeah. to that? Okay. Anything else? 
Did we say we're eliminating on page 7G? I feel as legal counsel that that would be um, a proper removal um, unless it is somehow clarified the very open to interpretation of the like, criminal investigation. So what is that? So you I don't, did clarify I don't that. feel like it's necessary, but again, that's up to you all as a council to decide. And then on page seven, under I'm fine with um, removing that because it's an investigation. And, and uh, yes, if some no one is, you're proven innocent. You're innocent until proven guilty. So I think that should be taken out. And then seven, um, page seven, number E, seven member ethics board. How did we go from five to seven? And what was the determination for that? Um, well, one of the things that uh, was originally on there was a three-member ethics board, which everybody agreed was too small, too narrow to look at. So the suggestion that I made was to allow each council member to um, suggest a person that they felt would represent their thoughts, their their feelings on, on that mm -hmm. ethics board, and then to add myself or the count, the city administrator and the city attorney to that board so you have a seven member board that can uh, discuss because I'm already part of that that investigative process uh, going forward into that um, it was just a suggestion but to have um, rather than five people chosen by one person each one of you can suggest somebody to be on that board and then you feel represented. Yeah, that was my suggestion to have the city attorney and the city, and the city yes. administrator. I mean, is that what most cities do? There's not really a, from my review, uh, but uh, everybody knows. Does everybody have an ethics board though? Is that pretty most common? communities do, yeah. Not, if, if they have the ethics uh, ordinance, an ordinance to make some sort of a determination, um, that's said, having like, what Susan stated one person for more narrow focus on the board. So this board is rotating. How do we determine their um they would serve the term of the council member that suggested them? And so it's a rotating position and you always have to put like like all other boards, people yeah. will rotate in and rotate off. I'm sure is that objective if someone's appointed and then they leave the city and you're still a council member then you would if, if an issue arose you would have to so it's like hiring my own my own representation no you just you just well, I, the, the suggestion is that, that each of us get to make a suggestion of a person but it's just like any other board that that uh um you know the whole council would have to approve this this came out of the discussion that we had last time um when uh we were talking about how how would you, you know, who you, when there was dissension over the fact that the mayor was the one who is typically for most boards makes the initial recommendation and then council approves and then there was a question back about well, why does the mayor always get to do it and I think the city administrator made a good suggestion that that especially with the ethics board why don't we give everybody the opportunity to suggest a person it still has to be confirmed by all of council 
And it also addresses the issue of, um, you know, how do we get the stagger set up initially while you, you put it in an association with each of the uh, council's term, council members' term, and then moving forward, it'll police itself. Yeah, you know, so given the choice, would you prefer that each council member has an option to suggest someone or that um, the mayor alone gets to choose who those people would be um, and bring that before you as council? So you're not comfortable with it just being you and Scott or you and Leanne? I'm not, no. Okay. I'm not. Anything else? I don't have anything else in there. Does anybody else? In, nothing else for the ethics ordinance? I don't think so. I've got one. Okay. Um, and we talked a little bit about this the last time we discussed this um, in section on page seven in uh, section F, um, where it talks about imposing sanctions on city officials and so forth. I'd like to add uh, suspension to the list because right now the I mean, let me step this let me step this back by saying, hopefully this ethics ordinance will never have to be used. But if it does have to be used, there are the 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 penalties that are listed in here are act as no deterrent whatsoever. I mean, act, you know, san with sanctions, loss of committee assignments. I mean, these 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 are not uh, any in any way, shape or form a deterrent. Um, now, as we talked about in, in past discussions on the ethics ordinance, you know, we can't have a board do any type of removal, for example, because the charter, you know, indicates that the only way a council person would ever be removed is by, by committing a felony. Um, and we wouldn't want a board to be able to subvert the will of the voters in any any event, but a suspension would still be allowed. We talked about this with the city attorney, and I'd like to add suspension to that list because it does give the ethics ordinance a little little bit of teeth to it, to, to act as a, a disincentive for people to violate our ethics policies, as opposed to just saying that. I think the rest of this is pretty formal censure, loss of assignments, restrictions, that's travel. How is that not enough of a sanction? I, I think that's nothing. Well, what what are you referring to? And I when you said you spoke to the attorney, that's probably, yes, yeah. that we, we had we had we had a discussion Scott. with Scott. But so what do you in uh what do you mean by suspension? We, this board sitting right here had a discussion what, with Scott. We we talked about it. Uh, it was the one where it was the the meeting where you felt you couldn't go on talking about it because it wasn't listed on the agenda. So and what would, it, what would a suspension involve? Because I think something a little more specific would have to be yeah, written length, in there. Length of suspension, I would put that verbiage in there. Or, yeah. or what is a suspension of a council member? Yeah, can, yeah. Not allowed can you to, even do that? Not allowed to participate in meetings. Um, you know, can you do that? I, you know, yeah, I, I think that's I question. I think that line. requires a little more specific research mm -hmm. if that's the way you want to go, because that could, in effect, be a removal. I mean, you're keeping someone, an elected official, from participating, making decisions. So I'm not, I'm, I'm not comfortable at this point saying that um, that would be appropriate. So we can, if that's something that the board now decides that you would every you know you you the majority of you would like that in there then i can definitely research to confirm and and confer with scott further to make yeah. sure that that so is what would there. be the other option to have um teeth in it would it be like a censure with censure censorship i don't think that that really you know formal censure you have that in there right. reprimand i mean it's a public 
it's publicly right. yeah yeah i mean i think when, when we had the discussion what, what scott had said is you know he 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 had indicated that he thought that that, that it was a possibility but he indicated he was worried he was worried about being weaponized mm -hmm. but again i think we're adding a little too much to this i think we all have common sense <clears throat> I, so, so you know, that, I feel very that. strongly and everyone would like, I mean, I will, again, we could that further, but I personally do have a bit of hesitation at this point to just say, go ahead, because that is, you would hope that the, that these, these sanctions here would be enough. And I, I guess I'm disappointed that you don't feel, not disappointed, but it's a shame that yeah. you don't feel that this would be sufficient because I mean, there's not a whole lot more. And well, and it does say, including removal of office. Right, but there's a specific. No, that's uh, under the charters, specific procedures, and only certain. Certainly, state law too, which elected officials, right? So, well, right. Well, there's other laws we should be following too. So, so I mean, that's something. Again, I would be more than happy to clarify, and if that is. If we come to a decision that that is legally appropriate and you would like to include that, then that certainly could be done. But I don't, at this point, that would just take a little further research. And, and what you're referring to then would be having a council member, um, for instance, just you know, not be allowed to participate in a meeting. I mean, that could affect things like a quorum. <laughs> Um, so you get, you do get into, as I'm thinking through it, you know, more issues that could be potentially snowball good effect. Yeah. With something like that. And then if it applies uh, the suspension, again, it would be a case by case basis of what the council would want to impose, but would that apply to a employee? So you do you suspend the employee? Do you suspend them with or without pay? That all that right, true, comes into further question for something like this. So okay. if you want to move forward with that, we do have like more details that would have to be worked out. Okay. You want to move forward with it? What do you think? Dylan, what do you think? Karen? Mm -hmm. What are you talking about? Yeah. yeah. Because basically, it's like if it doesn't, it's the ethics violation would have no teeth. Then, if there was no um, consequences, I guess as strong as that, I should say. Uh, Again, I wish also just... that would have to meet the criteria of like what is the how serious is the offense? I guess right. like where do you draw the line from what's just a censure to a you know, to suspension versus if it's something that would qualify as a removal. Hmm. So that's another. Think about it. Anything else? I mean, there really is no guide, uh, no guidelines in there. I think we should just let that one go. Let's just keep going. Okay. Is there anything else? Happening. No. Anyone else have anything for the ethics ordinance? Yes. Uh, first page, section 4.1, F, uh, uh, affecting adversely the confidence of the public and the integrity of the city of Lakewood Village. I think that's very subjective. Wait, what can you say where you are again, please? First page. 
Oh, first page. Oh, okay, got it. Yep, yep, yep. First section of F. I think that is very um, subjective. Who determines what's adversely affecting the confidence of the public? I ran for city council because of my lack of confidence in the integrity of city leadership, and I was voted in because of that. So I don't know who is going to make the determination of, of what that looks like. This is more of an intent statement though. So this isn't saying you're gonna, there's a particular thing that you, it's not held out in a separate section saying it's a violation. It's just saying that the intent of this is to avoid any action. So by implementing these rules in general, we're trying, the reason we're putting forth this ethics ordinance is to try and and avoid anything that would adversely affect the confidence of the public. So I guess I don't follow that it would be necessarily something for you to worry about or say that you're that it could be misconstrued because it's just stating what what the general purpose of the of having an ethics ordinance is one of the general purposes. If that makes does that make sense? Yeah, it does it does make sense except it doesn't really fit the current Conditions. Well, we all hope for better day. It's something to strive for. What you mean by that? Oh, just some of the control, controlling things that have been done to try to control me and my opinions and my, uh, you know, when I don't agree with something or even voting no or something like that. So that that's what I'm what I'm talking about. Someone may have confidence in me, someone may not. Someone may have confidence in you, someone may not. That's, it's, as I said, it just seems to be subjective. But that's just as what um, the city attorney is saying is that the first sentence is saying the city of Lather Village intends that its officials and employees will avoid any action which might result in or create the appearance of. So it's just telling you the intent. I get what you, how you feel, but I'm this is just. Talk about how it feel. That's. Okay. Okay. And again, um, councilwoman, um, it's going to apply to everyone that is on this board right now equally, and it will apply going forward when those on this board no longer are here unless it's amended or things of that nature. So it's again, it's not a made, it's really not in the intent of the intent statement is not an attack on anyone. Council member. And this is not retroactive. This will be in place. Go. Correct. Well, going we can't. Forward. I mean, going going forward, yes, because we can't hold anyone to these standards when they haven't been enacted yet. Or the, I mean, hopefully everyone is abiding by the standards that we would like, but it's not been officially adopted. So until that date, that's when it would go into effect. Correct. In section 4.3 standards of conduct, pages four and five, uh, there are multiple things that refer to food and refreshments and lodging and transportation. Do all of these things, are we making sure that we're following rules for spending taxpayer dollars? Can you be more specific? 
Yeah, I mean, there are there are restrictions on um, providing food for things if it isn't isn't something that's available to the to all residents or um, whatever. There's multiple things in here about if it's not exceeding hundred dollars per day per person. Just want to make sure that all of these things follow the rules that we have are supposed to be following for taxpayer uh, spending taxpayer dollars. Yes, that I I mean the 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 way it's written and everything, you know, of course we've made sure that yes. this is follows what the law is. And administratively, that is something that we follow in our finances, something that we are audited annually on. Mm -hmm. Um and uh you know, these things are they're just stated in the ethics ordinance to um reaffirm that. It's not something new. These are things that we do every day. It applies to all communities. Yes, and under it, state law. Uh, yeah, I know. It. I know it's. I know it's supposed to. There are a lot of rules that are supposed to apply. Um, section four point five, page six. Um, I'm not seeing how it's appropriate for the city administrator to investigate complaints against city council members when we employ and supervise the city administrator. So that would be like, um, perhaps like Kelda investigating Susan. And to that, to that end, um, yes, you you are the body that that chooses your city administrator, um, and she does answer to you. But that that is the body of council, not any one individual council member. So I think that was the intent there, and I do know other you know other ordinances or other municipalities that have ethics ordinances do utilize their city manager or city administrator in that sort of function, even though they are under the auspices of the council. Because again, it is only one council member versus the entire body that she does respond to. The entire body, not just to that one council member that may be having a complaint against them. I think that's a, a, a fine line. Is there some way to do an outside a person? I mean, that could impact negatively impact her too, because if someone's investigated and it turns out to be nothing, then it is a, you know, could impact her. Well, and I think she would have to answer to the rest of the council. But mm -hmm. I mean, if, if she's investigating, she finds that it's nothing. It, it's just, she's probably the most appropriate person because she knows the, the city she knows what's going on in the city. You hired her. You put your confidence in her. She runs the city. To run the do that. Um, so to spend money to hire an outside consultant or something, and who's going to fill them in? You know, it, it's just administratively, and I don't see there. There's like an ethics question to that, or but you as council can all decide if you if you think if if the rest of council members think likewise. I don't want to. And what if it's the city administrator? Or 
Um, don't we have something in there? Yeah, if it's the language in there for that. Lydia's going to go to the so, city attorney. Um, I'm sure. I mean, if it's the administrator, clearly it would go to council. Um, I mean, and, and to your point, your other point, Karen, your previous point under D on the next page, um, it does state that in addition to complaints to the city administrator, all city council members have a responsibility to intervene if they they That's the one we crossed off. So. I know. That's the one um, we're questioning, isn't it? No. It says receiving complaints from the city administrator. Uh, doesn't look like there is a specific. Right, but the process is if, covered that for the city administrator. If, there's yeah, a, if, if I receive a, a complaint um, and I find that there is justification in that complaint, then I'm supposed to bring that complaint to council. Right. And that requires council to act upon that. And just to the investigation that's being conducted by the administrator, <clears throat> excuse me, is not that's not an an adjudication, so to speak. There's still there's still the the uh, process of appointment of an independent body, an ethics board that will review and and will make the determination. It's not the administrator is not the one passing judgment on this. No, I just have to determine if there's merit to that, and then it goes to somebody. Right. But as you said, it's not just for the people sitting here. I'm speaking from personal experience. So just want to know how that has, should be handled or should have been handled, should be handled going forward. I guess the ordinance specifies that. That's, that's so are you saying how that's handled that process that is laid out in that section? Section 4.5 of the process. Is that the one that deals with if it's the, the administrator or city officials? Doing it to a city council person, to a resident, or yeah. someone was. Yeah. So that's the one that was just that added? Is, does this cover interactions with residents also? Or is just if, if it's inappropriate? If it's an in, in, in inappropriate, unethical interaction, yes. Would you feel better if language was added there that if the city administrator uh, is the person uh, in question, then the city attorney would do the investigation to begin with and then determine if it needs to go to um, the ethics board. Are we what would at be your suggestion? Oh, they're still on D. Okay. It's a little tall together. rather than just removing the language completely, there has to be a process that is there. Um, so if, if it's something with the rest of the board entertain that additional language that 
if it is the city manager that is in question or accused of an ethics violation, that the city attorney would initiate um, that investigative process to see if there's merit behind that and then take it through that process. Yeah, I mean, sadly, we can't guarantee objectivity. Of the yeah, I guess city, city attorney. Oh, okay. So is that going to be added to subsection B? Somewhere in that section. Yeah, well, yeah. Isn't D what you said was questionable? Um, no, she was talking about the language down um, below there that you crossed out about the um, that section there, um, section G there. But this is about all city council members shall have a responsibility to, to intervene when they learn of actions of another city council member or other city officials. What just that means that they should should it. take action and report that as well, not just turn a blind eye. It's just clarifying that city council members as well, if they become aware of something that they feel could be a violation, um, that they need to make a report to the city administrator. So just further clarifying that not just citizen complaints, but if councils also have a responsibility if they feel that they witnessed something that needs to be reported. Anything else? Uh, yeah, I'm thinking the ethics ordinance doesn't address some of these other things. Overall lack of respect for residents, equal and fair treatment and consideration for residents, harassment and discrimination towards residents by staff and council withholding of public information from residents and or city council members. Um, I also would like to add something in that any committee or group that meets regarding spending taxpayer dollars should be required to follow the requirements of the Open Meetings Act. Well, we have to follow the requirements of the Open Meeting Act by law. Uh, you don't. You told me you don't have to on the, on the sure. infrastructure study group. You said it's not an elected body, so you don't have to follow the Open Meetings Act. So I would like to put that in there that any body spending money. But would that be a part of ethics, though? Would that be under? Well, I mean, it does not necessarily. So again, let me, let me interject here because the, the subcommittees, again, are not expending any funds. They're not a body that has the ability to make that decision. They're a recommending body. If, if you're going to be imposing standards that are stricter and higher than state law, that's potentially problematic. Now, we had discussed this as a policy that which would be applicable in the next uh, second section of the council rules and procedures that minutes could be kept, that minutes could be uh, subject to disclosure for a certain period of time in subcommittee meetings, but extending the state law to bodies that are not covered by the state law, like I said, is potentially problematic. Um, and I don't, I don't agree with you that uh, it should be included in the ethics ordinance. This, again, this is not a whole list of everything that uh, 
potentially could have influenced or affected one council member to be put into this ordinance. This is supposed to be standards that all, all individuals in the city can, can look to, residents can look to and know that their, their elected body, their appointed body, their hired employees and consultants of the city are all adhering to the same standards. I, I think this review and exercise has gone far, far deeper into what really never was intended to be uh, what it's transformed itself into. And I, and I think we need to pull back a little bit from, from that because that's not what the intent of this ordinance is. This, we're not rewriting the city charter uh, via the ethics ordinance. Okay, but that's kind of what was, has been done and the red marks and everything else. So um, I, again, I disagree. I, I, don't, I wouldn't say that at all. I mean, you're, you're bringing in other sections of, of the, that are, there are ordinances in, in effect. There are provisions of the charter in effect. The duplication of that within the ethic ordinance is not appropriate and not necessary. We don't have anything covering those committees or groups. There aren't any, any requirements for those groups. And I, a group that exactly. There are no requirements for it because there are no requirements in state law. We don't have to have them though. We didn't have them previously. I just I just think it's a barrier to transparency for residents. The, these conversations happen, these decisions are made, the recommendations are made. One group recommended over $30 million. But can we stay on can we stay on task it for, the, adding, for, the, for the ethics requirements of the open meetings? Open meetings so that doesn't have anything to do with the ethics part. And it would follow if it was a um, governing um, body. So, and, and you know, um, you can take it up with your state representative and see if maybe they would consider expanding the Freedom of Information Act and the Open Meetings Act to cover some of those areas that you feel are not adequately protected. Or, or we make changes at this level. Does it have to be state directives? But it's not going to be in the ethics ordinance. Is there anything could it, could else? Be rules of order and procedure, I would think. That's what Scott had mentioned that you could add that okay. about minute taking if that's okay. Well, we're working on that also. I want to do. So. But the problem is so, Karen, what you're suggesting is that we have a we in city of Lathrop Village impose standards and requirements for subcommittees that are more stringent than the state law. That's like saying if an individual goes five miles an hour over the speed limit in Michigan in the city of Lathrop Village, we decided it's going to be a felony because we want to be tougher on our on the people that pass through our community. You can't do that. You can't supersede the, the requirements of the state law. So if you want to make it- Where are the requirements for this group? Because I've asked for, that, asked for that six months ago and have not received it. There are no terms. There are no requirements. There is nothing. I, don't, I just don't think that it's good for the city. I don't think it's good for the residents. I don't think it's good for transparency. So I don't know what's wrong with having all meetings all meeting groups follow the Open Meetings Act. That's so that ensures. So, with all due respect, this is not going to be a part of the ethics ordinance. We kind of got that right, but we also have thirty minutes to get through the studies, um, the study session, and we do have someone else that is waiting to speak. So, is there anything else for the ethics ordinance that you would like to discuss? Okay. Anyone else for the ethics ordinance? Thank you. Now we're so going, we're going, now we're going we're, to rules and procedures. We're moving to the water loss investigation, the phase two. That's, I mean, I'm just going exactly by what I was talking about. Well, it's part of the, it's part of the ethics. I, was oh. not finished, I think she was confused over oh. what we were saying, that it wasn't part of the ethics. It's, it's part of this. Go ahead. 
the first page council meeting agenda. The agenda for all council and study meetings shall be prepared by the mayor and or mayor pro tem. I would like to remove and mayor pro tem is is fills in for the mayor when the mayor isn't um, available, not as a team. So you're so you're you're as the existing mayor pro tem, you're you're trying to change that because you disagree and, and dislike the way that I conduct myself. This is this is was something this always been, uh, this wasn't changed. No, it was not. No. It's always it's been, always like, been that. like that. And it should always, always be like that in the future. Just oh. because you don't like me doesn't mean we should it's not it has nothing to do with you. It's about equal access to information and to and to um you know, setting the direction. Like I was saying before, for 11 years of being on council and being, being Mayor Pro Tem to um, Mayor Brock, we always met and discussed the agenda beforehand. So it, it's, it hasn't been anything different than that's not something that's did newly share, ordered. Did you share that with others? You never asked members? me. You never asked me. You, you just accused me. You never asked me. You just accused me of wrongdoing. You never asked me if we did yeah, that. Asked you what? Well, I, you haven't done it since I've been here since November. So that's I haven't done what? Shared what was on the, going to be on the agenda. Asked so I think we're a little confused because what we're talking about in that particular part <laughs> is that the mayor and the mayor pro tem, whoever that may be, will meet with the city administrator, whoever that may be, to discuss the agenda. That's the only thing we're talking about right now. Right, and I said and, and what I'm saying is, and I'm saying that going back of all the years that I have been on council, and I'm only doing this from a historical standpoint, mm -hmm. is that the prior mayor, Mayor Brock, and I, and the previous mayor pro tem, and the administrator, would sit down to put the agenda together and then it would be sent out. It's never been anything different. And that doesn't keep you as a council person right. from suggesting items to right. be on the agenda. So yes, actually it has because you have asked for things to be on the agenda. Um, page 11, uh, attendance at conferences that, that adding the newly elected official shall be required to attend the newly elected training offered through the Michigan Municipal League within the first six months of being sworn in. That isn't offered all the time. We missed it when Barb and I came on. It's we always offered every time. It is offered, but every we time. weren't notified of it until it had already taken place. Jalen went to it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I just, I'm, I'm sorry. just saying. I'm sorry, but it's uh, it's always offered. It is always. Yes. I, I just add I, in there that as long as it's off, it's as possible, if possible, if if it's offered. Of course, if there's some issue that, you know, for whatever reason, MML doesn't offer it and it's not going to take it as soon thereafter as possible. Within the first six months, I think it, it, it it's a respect. It was available. They had it one time. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Well, well, you know, it the, the, I don't think I don't think it needs to be changed personally because yeah, I don't think an ethics board is 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 going to sanction somebody because they couldn't attend a training that wasn't available. Well, then it doesn't need to be in there. Well, can we so add it additionally board. in there or as um, closely as possible um, or as reasonably possible yeah. to that? Because I do believe. Training is important yeah. for all newly elected councils. You are elected to represent 
your constituents and it would be like going to the doctor and the doctor tells you, oh, I haven't been to training at all since I got my license 40 years ago. I know everything there is to know. Um, training is very essential for you as a council person. I go to training because training is important for me as a city administrator. I want to continue to hone my skills and come back and be able to represent uh, my position to be the best city administrator that I can be. And that additional training helps me. So for you as council persons, I believe that that additional training benefits you and it benefits the citizens that you represent. Yeah, and I, I'm sorry, I'm gonna say something here. Um, that's just simply not true. At the very first council meeting, I spoke for three or four minutes about the benefits of the, of the MML newly elected training, which is exactly how Jalen knew about it. sorry, which is, which is exactly how Jalen knew about it. And he will tell you that you were at that meeting. So to say that it wasn't mentioned ever before. I didn't say it when true. it was, and they didn't reach out. I got a, a email from MML in February or March. It was long gone. And, and I- Jalen was able to I, that, so. Okay, but I am a believer in lifelong learning and professional development and all of those things. But some of the organizations aren't, they're in business to, to, to make money, to offer uh, levels of training and whatever to, to it, it isn't necessarily something that is. Uh, but the newly elected training is specifically for people that are newly elected that have not been in the position before to help you understand how to read your charter, to help you understand how to read the ordinance, to help you understand the process of uh, council meetings, to help you understand um, the roles of the mayor, the mayor pro tem, council as a body, help you understand staff, what their role is, how we all work together. That's the benefit that you gain from going to that. Um, but that's, I, that's not what I see the effect was if, if people have been to training previously. Well, well I, maybe your training will be something that will be beneficial to you. And, and I think to continue to put accusations out there is really not beneficial in the ethics ordinance, in the policy development. It's something that you want to work toward making a difference. And, and this is one of those ways that, you know, really put, uh, it really puts your words into action. Well, are there other organizations that it could, that could be included? Besides MML, someone takes other training. I don't understand why it's specifically MML. Because that's our state league. They specifically, it's a mis Michigan municipal organization. I understand what league. it is, but, but we hired them to do the hiring of you. We hired them for other things. We get our insurance from them, mm -hmm. all of these pieces. So I don't know that that's, again, objective. Um, it, it's it's what they do. I, I have, it, it is what they do rather right. than they're, another they're organization. Support cities, yeah. almost all cities right. across they're the state. To support members. staff, to support city council members, to support like like the Michigan Municipal League's convention that they have coming up in October. That is really geared towards council members. So towards council staff can attend mm -hmm. that, but it is really geared toward training and education of council persons and you were alerted of that I did give you opportunity yeah. to go to that and I also think that potentially if you weren't alerted um, 
in a timely manner, please remember that the administrator stepped down prior to the election or it, it was right around that time. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so some of those things fell through the crack, but going forward, that is part of the role. It, it is the role of the city administrator to make sure that newly electeds are onboarded, that you are given the opportunity for training. And I will ensure that that does happen. You know, when there are training opportunities that are available, I do pass that information on to you. And I highly encourage you to attend that. Um, so it, it it is something that does benefit you. Again, school on the school board, I was association school boards, but it is it is not like it works. It is about the organization itself, but even that is different. Even that is different because we don't operate the same way. There are nuances in each of those. Um, so. You can't say that it, it's the same. I didn't say it was the same. I was talking about the structure and um, important to network as well. Hey, I've sir. heard a lot of networking city great. officials or and municipal officials in my career that just like it for that and find great benefit from that. Right. What's what's our budget for even doing that? I mean, things you sound very expensive. Okay. Those are baked into the budget to allow for council to attend training. That is already in the budget because we believe that training is essential. I believe, and in, in it's something that if it's not adequate going forward, it will be uh, put into the budget going forward because I believe all of staff should be allowed the opportunity to go for training. I believe council should go for training because it helps you be better at what you do and to come back and serve your community. Is there anything else? Okay, now we're gonna to move to the water loss investigation. Okay. We do have uh, a memo before you for the water loss investigation um, that you know, we have realize that there's a significant amount of water loss, roughly 40% that we're experiencing each year. Even though we experience that loss, our water use from uh, SACWA has not changed uh, to support that. So we believe that there is a loss, uh, a leak or something somewhere. And uh, we have worked with OHM to uh, come before us tonight and kind of answer questions um, and uh, there's a proposal for $10,000 for them to um, clamp onto the existing meter to see if they can locate uh, if the leakage is there. Um, there's an additional cost of $1,700 um, to have that, that testing, the actual meter clamp on done, that, that work done for you, and uh, that information will come back to us to help us kind of pinpoint where that loss is at. So we do have a representative with us from OHM. If you have questions that you would like to ask, um, the proposal is pretty well explanatory in there, but um, please feel free to ask questions. And if you'd like to add anything additional to that, I will return it over to you. 
Uh, good evening, Council. I'll just quickly introduce myself. My name is Rep Cronabel. I work with OHM Advisors. You'll see the proposal was signed by one of my partners, Vicki Pupilla. Unfortunately, she had an emergency come up here over the weekend and had to leave town. So um, I did uh, uh, familiarize myself with what uh, we put together and some of the background speaking with Vicki, and so we can hopefully answer any questions if it's uh, too challenging. I might have to get back to you, but I, I think it's relatively well spelled out. So I, I don't, I'll uh, just defer to any questions you might have. Yeah, I, I've got some questions, right? Um, I'm going to be a little verbose here um, just to provide background because I'm familiar with a lot of this stuff because because of my role on the infrastructure committee and I was the one who actually found OHM um, and was involved in some of the discussions as I was invited from the uh, administration to participate. Um, so right now we have a 12-inch mag meter, um, which is our primary source meter from, from SACWA. And one of the things that was presented to us at, at the last meeting was that uh, the, the, that particular meter is optimized for a flow rate of 1100 to 14,000 gallons per minute. And the error rate associated with, with that meter um, goes up as the, the flow rate goes down, as it drops under that 1100 uh, mm -hmm. gallon per minute threshold. So um, when, and again, these are all things that they can quoted to us and I'm, I'm kind of for the benefit of, of council as well as some of the residents. Um, so when the, when the flow rate drops from, from 88 to 1100 gallons per minute, there's a 1% error. When it goes from 34 gallons per minute to 88 gallons per minute, there's a 3% error. And when it drops under 55 gallons per minute, the um, manufacturer has indicated that the, the error rate is unpredictable. And those, as, as Vicki had described us, those are lab conditions. And she said in her experience, outside of the lab, it's actually the, the error rates tend to, tend to be higher than that. So our, our average flow rate is 300 gallons per minute, which is dramatically under the, the low, low end optimization of, of, the, of the existing meter. And that's, and our, and our maximum, you know, at any given point, our, our maximum usage is about 600 gallons per minute, which is still, you know, 50% under the, the optimized low flow, flow rate. So the, the, the theory that, that Vicki presented to us is that when we get to these, these low flow rates, you know, what, what the data is showing is that the, the meter is going from zero to 82 or zero to 140. Actually, it's mostly zero to 140, back and forth between the two. So, so when, we're, when we're actually using 10 gallons or 20 gallons or 30 gallons, you know, uh, per, per minute in those low flow situations, it's reading 140. And so, so we, Vicki had indicated that she is fairly confident that that's, that's the smoking gun. So when we when we left our our last meeting, um, one of the things that uh, what we had concluded, I guess, at that point was that um, OHM was going to um, look at uh, the replacement of that mag meter, which was with a more appropriate size, the twelve inch meter, with an more appropriate size six inch meter. And then what what came back to us in terms of the proposal was 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 a little bit of a surprise to me in that. You know what? What the suggestion is is, is that we're going to put a clamp-on meter down below, and then we're going to compare the the readings of, of the two meters to show that you know that is the smoking gun. And so, long-winded way to get to my question. So the question to me is: it seems it seems to me like what we should be doing is going straight to the meter replacement because even if the if the, if the meter is not the smoking gun that we hoped it is, there's still a, a tremendous amount of of, of potential to reduce our errors because we are such a low flow community. And 
what's going to happen is, is if we go, if the, the route that we're going is we're going to pay $10,000 for a consulting fee and then $1,700 for, um, I forgot the name of the organization to get the SW controls. Yeah. So, so then we go to SW controls and we pay $1,700. So we're paying like $12,000. And, you know, if we find out that it's the smoking gun, then we've got to start, uh, sorry. Yeah. We find out that it's smoking gun, then we know we have to replace the meter and then we have to you know, go through OHM again to do more consulting to, you know, because it's not just a simple replacement of the meter. We have to look at high flow events like when there's a fire. So there might be two six inch meters, one for high flow, one one for low flow. And so, so we, what, what could potentially end up happening is we're, we're going to, we're going to end up paying two consulting, you know, having two consulting arrangements when I think, unless I'm missing something that, that we could actually have a single consulting arrangement to just replace the meter. And what we did confirm today is that SACWA is the one who has to pay for the replacement of the meter. So there's there's no cost to us there. So if we replace the meter, it seems to me that there's a, there's a benefit right away of replacing the meter, even if it isn't the smoking gun. Eventually, you know, we're, we're gonna, well, not eventually, because we don't have to pay for the meter, but eventually I guess it would, it would, we would save enough money through some of these low flow events where the, where the error goes up high um, to cover the cost of, you know, a consulting, a consulting arrangement. So I guess my question is, is can we do this in a, a single step instead of spreading it out into two steps, um, which, which would be more expensive. So just going right to replacing the six inch meter. That makes sense. It does. Um, in, in the background, I don't know how much the council was aware of right. all the background. That, that, that's why I kind of was verbose in it. So for everyone, um, I think the it is interesting that so SACWA would potentially bear the cost of replacing the meter. Um, I do think the overall cost for the replacement, figuring out whether it's going to be two inline uh, meters working together, smaller diameter, lower diameter, is going to be more cost than just the seventeen hundred dollars here for the temporary one. Um, so I think that the belief here is from from Vicky's perspective, this is a pretty low cost approach to verify if what we believe is the smoking gun actually is. Um, and, and to what degree, because of the data that we're going to collect over that week try to help validate that, hey, we saw a significant discrepancy between these two meters placed on the same same line and in the same configuration, and, and hopefully open up some dialogue with SACWA about you know, whether there's uh, needs to be some corrections for that as well. And it will help you then inform, too, um, what the appropriate sizing would be for a replacement meter, whether it's two of them in tandem. And what because there's different ways you can do the metering based on the flow that you're having. Right. So I still think that our, our recommendation would be it's a, it's a relatively low cost investment um, before you actually jump into the uh, the overall replacement. And, and, and I have a question too that you know would a six inch meter be able to handle a high flow issue? Um, you know if we had something during that test phase that was a high flow issue, right? Well, um, that you know we had a huge fire or something of that nature, would would they be able to handle that? Right, and that's why I mentioned when, when we talked with, with with actually two comments on that. Um, you know when we when we were talking in the last meeting, you know Vicky's in, uh, initial assessment was well we would probably need two you know two six inch meters one to handle a high flow event like a fire and one for for other events and then as we discussed that a little bit further, um, and and this is why I was a little surprised by the by the actual proposal. Um, I can't remember the name of the other woman who was in the meeting. Susan. Susan, Susan right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> lots of Susan. <laughs> lots of Susan. Lots of Susans. Lots of Scotts. Yes. Um, but uh, you know. Susan had made the comment that um, you know she thought that there was a possibility that that we might even be able to, given our our, our normal low flow rate, we might even be able to handle 
a high flow situation with a single meter and she was going to look into that and and again that's why i was a little surprised when i saw the the, the strap on um meter you know proposal so and some of the cost in here for ohm's time is i mean i think we did an initial scope of work right. for a relatively small amount to yeah. try to just help see if we could glean from the data that you already had yeah. what might be some of the um, opportunities for this this gap over yeah. the loss and there were four hypotheses we kind of ranked them in what we believe to be the most likely um cause and then right. for some reason we find that that's not the case the other ones still could be by right. a process elimination right. or there's a possibility it's a little combination of more than one um so we we've kind of already spent some additional effort right trying to help really dive into the data uh, we're, we're trying to recoup a little bit of that with this um, and as well whether it's with this meter or a new replacement the same data crunching of hey what what was going to be the best approach to meter this connection under the flow range demands that you have with the community is effort that you're going to spend uh, either in, way. in either scenario as yeah. well. So, okay. What happens going back to the 12 mile meter, which is what we had before the switch was made in 2017? Apologies, I don't know the whole history of that. Yeah, well, the, there, there is there is no working 12 mile meter. Sakwa is in the process of. of uh, I, I don't know what the latest update is on that, but uh, they're supposed to be. They, I know they. I think the. Ah, my memory's terrible, but I think it was about a month or two ago. Scott Ringler had indicated that Sockwell had ordered the meter, um, a twelve-inch meter, that they were going to. I mean, well, whatever the whatever the replacement meter was for for that, and then it has to be installed, and it has to you know they got to tear up the road to install it and get involved and all that kind of stuff. So. So if that happens, do we still have to put out this money to replace the other one at eleven mile? They're different meters, yeah. so yeah. Well, and they're really different only, meters, but they're right now one. only one meter. Sorry, not used to being told to use the mic. Um, right now we only have one operating meter, so having this second meter doing the work at this meter would allow us to have two meters running, so we or have the capability for two meters running in the event that one fails. Right now, if the one we have fails, it fails and we have no water. Right. And then I think the other, I think the other issue too was that the the coming in on the 12 mile side was a much higher pressure than coming in on the 11 mile side. And I think there was there was some some belief uh, from SACWA that a lot of you know we have a lot of uh, water main breaks. Because we have an old system, a lot of it, a lot of the water mains are over 100 years old, and so it was felt that that, that high pressure was causing some of the water water main breaks. But hasn't that been switched since like 2018, 2017, 2018? We're still having water breaks. Oh, it's still an old system, but we're having we're having fewer. I remember when I first got on council, I think we had 30 some odd water 30. I think it was it may have been 36 water main breaks the, the first year, something like that. I don't know if you remember, but we definitely don't have that many now. But the only piece of information on fire is from timing how the thing this is happening as we speak here, but the, the gap in the, the what you're paying for versus what you're selling to your right. residents. And so right. this um, clamp on meter is a relatively quick, it's uh, available, it's a temporary situation, whereas the the process to spec out and finalize the exact replacement for a permanent meter and then the procurement of those meters. Uh, in some of today's economy, it could be quite a bit of lead before yeah. it's actually up and running. So this, this is a pretty, we can we even probably get, uh, I think in the proposal, we'll probably have the meter installed within the first 30 days and then days back and 
analyze to the city within 30 days after that. So yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, I actually just just I mean, I guess some potential good news is the uh, you know, I, I asked um earlier today about our, our water loss rate and over the last four months it's averaging 23%, which which is still very high, but uh is lower. And I think you know some of that probably has to do with a lot of the billing issues that we've we've discovered. Um so that's a good thing too. So a little bit of good news in a in a in a situation where we've got a lot of water going down the drain and hate to say it that way, but so can I ask a question? Will, will we be leaving the uh, rental meter on until the permanent meter comes? No, we just propose to put it in there for one week. It's gather, just a one week? One week period of data. Just, to, just to prove the hypothesis. Shoot, if it works. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, but, but also, Barb, I mean, I think one of the things that, you know, we briefly touched on is that, you know, if we do find out that this is the smoking gun and that we've been paying, you know, that, that we've been overbilled by Sokola, the next step, and we talked about this with, with Vicki and Sue, is, you know, to do an actuar, you never say the word, and, I'm, and I have a degree in math, an actuarial um, analysis to determine, you know, what, how many units of water have we been overbilled, and then to go back to Sokola and say, look, you know, adjustment right and and you know get some type of adjustment or, or credit on future water purchases to recoup some of that money because i mean that's critical dollars that, that we need as a city um that would help us a lot do a lot of things so well i see that it says four hundred thousand lost revenue each year how many years are we talking since 17 yeah 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 and again that's it's lost revenue, not lost cost, just to be specific. Right. Not that there's a and not that it makes a difference. They're both bad, but yeah. Well, we had this in a report almost a year ago. It's taking us long to deal with our air flow. Said this is where's the leak? Something happened in 2017. This is not a small meter problem, it's a big meter problem with software and there are big undetected leaks. It's been under investigation. Yeah, it's almost a year though. That's yeah. a lot of money to be really, really going down the drains. So we're that's the proposal is to approve. Yeah. Well, we can't do it till the next meeting. OHM. Okay. So and then that's separate from SW controls? Yeah, two separate costs. We we don't actually provide the plan uh, funding to SW. We coordinate with them to back out the material and then we'll coordinate with them to get it installed. Oh, okay. I was going to say you will reach out to them when yep. you're. Okay. I'm sorry. Do you have any more questions? You want a question? Oh, I do have a question. It says client responsibilities. The village will provide a single point of contact to OHM advisors. Who is that gonna be Susan? Who yes. is that? Okay. Thank you so much for coming. I appreciate yeah. it. Thank you. Next we'll go up to mayor and council comments. Um actually it's supposed to be public comments first. first. So we'll go to public comments first and then we'll go to mayor and council comments. So come on up. <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> And um, for the public comments, we have Bridget. I'll be short. Okay. My name is Ann Susanis. I have a house here in Lake Village. And um, I think I met the wrong meeting. I'm not sure. I, I, I'm interested in the discussion that you folks have been having about what to do 
with the Lakebrook property where the Lakebrooks live. And I think in your agenda, you call it the house in the woods. Because when I originally called about the meeting, it wasn't on your agenda. So I thought I would come to this meeting and just see what your timeline is and what's happening on it, whether or not you are considering whether you're still looking into it as a possible nature area or you've already made a decision. The reason I ask is I've done this kind of work. I have a naturalist environmental thought for a long, long time. And I've already been in there twice and they started doing a couple of plant lists and things like that. And I'm interested in seeing um, what's there. And also I was interested in knowing what work has been done in the past on that site, because I have the feeling that other people have worked in there some. Um, and I would be interested in doing a little bit more in there, but I wanted to know what your timeline was. And I know you don't have time to go into that now, um, is there some way I can get that information or come in and talk to somebody? And I wondered also, what's your timeline? Are you going to make a decision tonight at your meeting or what? Do you know that? So um, we are going to be discussing how it was tonight at 730. I mean, well, at the next meeting, we'll be discussing it. Oh, not that you mean it. Right. It's right. tonight, but it's the next meeting. The first one was the study session, and the next right. one is the meeting. So we'll be discussing the House in the Woods property next. And, but what is your timeline for it as far as making a decision? Is it likely to make a decision tonight and what? We can only hope we make a decision oh. tonight. Oh. You mean you wouldn't wait a while in here and two other moving birds flew in or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> Now, hopefully we'll make a decision this evening. Okay, and, and that will be for the end of your meeting, right? Um, yeah, very, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, you're very welcome. Is there anyone else that would like to make a public comment? Larry Moy, resident on the uh, during the ethics discussion on oh, thank you. During the discussion on the ethics ordinance, Councilwoman Kinez made a statement that I just cannot leave on the record with without challenging it. She stated that the residents' meeting to discuss a recall campaign of a council person was unethical. Political organizations, political organizing is never illegal and it's not unethical. Recall campaigns take place across this country every year. There was just recently one for the governor of California. So please do not state that political organizing is unethical. It is not. Thank you. Is there anyone else that would like to speak? Hi, Warren Barris resident. Um, I'm not sure why there's so much contention about an ethics ordinance. Um, I'm surprised about it and disappointed um, about it. There seems to be um, that uh, Barb Kness and Karen Miller both seem to be really highly agitated um, in the meeting and about these things. And I just really truly don't understand um, why you would be like that about an ethics ordinance that most cities have. Um, I'm surprised we don't have one, and um, I'm not really sure what uh, what the problem what the problem is there. 
Um, I was really disappointed, um, Ms. Miller, Councilman, Councilwoman Miller, when um, you're shaking your head about um, not doing training um, when I think it's so important and um, and worrying about the ethics ordinance being retroactive. I can imagine why, why. Um, but I, so I just, I'm just sitting here wondering why are we having a problem with the ethics ordinance? Thank you. Is there anyone else that would like to uh, make a comment? Anyone on Zoom that would like to make a comment? Just raise your hand. I can see it. Okay. Um, so we'll move to mayor and council um, comments. So for me, I don't. I can't answer your questions about the ethics because um, I think that it is something that all cities have, and this is something that uh, we should also adopt. And I, I personally believe, yeah, it's it's like I said earlier, it's because of uh, situations that we have found ourselves in that we need to have some policies and procedures that's in place. Um, and so, I mean, I can only answer that from my perspective. Um, I think that that was all that I had to answer. That all I had to answer. I believe that's all that I have to answer. So I will yield it to. Is there any other council person that would like to make any comments? Yeah, I would just like to say we do have an ethics ordinance already in place that has been in place. And so I'm not sure why it's all of these extra things are added, but we do have an ethics ordinance. And also I asked if it was re retroactive because of past violations, not mine, others, and that I was going to go through and read a list. But if it's not retroactive, it doesn't matter. Is there anyone else that would like to comment? Okay, I'm going to adjourn um, the study session.